0: Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Caris. Only about 5% of medical doctors in the United States are black despite years of efforts to increase that number. But the good news is there's been a record jump recently in the number of first-year medical students who are black. Here to sort through these numbers and talk about efforts to boost diversity in the physician workforce is Bridget Hudson, Executive Director of the Student National Medical Association, which has been focused on this issue for decades. Her career includes more than 15 years of experience working with nonprofits, foundations, and corporations to cultivate and engage stakeholders. And Bridget, we're very happy to have you here today.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. I'm happy to be here as well.
0: We like to start by having our guests share their educational and career highlights and describe how they became interested in their field. So what's your story?
1: Sure. So um, believe it or not, my story is a little bit circuitous. I wanted to be a city manager for a very long time so my first master's is in public administration and i did that a lot and i i I still do believe that today that really government especially local government is really where you have local and state government has the most impact on your lives even though we spend a lot of time in our national news talking about the federal government and their impact but you'll feel it immediately if your garbage isn't picked up or something that's happening that's really immediate to like your everyday life. And so I went to um, University of Connecticut. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, actually my family migrated to Connecticut from um, Jamaica. So I moved to US when I was around 13 or 14 years old. So I did middle school here and then went off to college. And as I said, I want to be a city manager. And my career has been working with, you know, during my graduate program, I worked with a lot of student organizations, student groups. And then when I moved to Washington, D.C., I worked with a middle school program that was really geared towards um, making sure that middle school students of color had access to information about paying for college. So that's sort of my trajectory into K through 12, and then later on as we moved into um The sciences and finally into medical education it's really about making sure that um, students of color and their parents had information and the resources to navigate preparing paying for for college, which we know that that also has a big impact on the number of students that end up in the pathway for medicine, is that if they're not sure of how to navigate those systems, whether it's college, the requirements for that, and then preparing for taking the MCATs and then applying to medical school and then eventually um, going into residency, that is really um, critical. So that's been basically my career has been Working with different organizations to, as I said, create that awareness and then also provide those resources and information, not just for um, students, but also for their families, which is also very critical.
0: You know, recently we had uh, a guest on the show, Dr. Russell Lede. Do you know him by any chance from the 15 White Coats?
1: No, I'm not familiar with him.
0: You should uh, check him out. Dr. Russell Lede. He's got an amazing personal story, but he started a group called the 15 White Coats Mm -hmm. with some fellow medical students down in New Orleans. And it's a very similar story to yours that he thinks there's just a lack of information and awareness about the many steps it takes to get to a point where you're applying to medical school. And then That whole process is way more expensive and and, uh, detailed than people think. So their organization is, uh, you know, funding people as they go through the steps, but a lot of it is getting into schools and educating them. So it's clearly something lots of folks have identified as a problem.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So can you add to what I said at the beginning and help us understand more about the scope of the problem of a lack of diversity and particularly the impact that has on healthcare outcomes?
1: Well, you know, as you said, um, medicine in particular has been at it in terms of increasing the numbers um, to diversify the physician workforce for quite a while and with varying degrees of success, right? And so it is really goes to show you that, and we talked about it a little bit about my career, that we are only, if you think about a spokes in the wheel, like we are one part of that whole wheel that's trying to make a difference in changing those numbers. And the impact, what we know, is that we have a large number of our population, I mean, we have about 13% of our population is African American and Black, and many of them may have never encountered a provider of color, physician of color. Um, and so the impact is, from a awareness and a recognition perspective, which also impacts, like, if you see, you can be, that type of mentality. And then also what does that do in terms of like the care that they receive? Maybe the quality of care may be a little bit different. I do firmly believe that all doctors are generally great doctors, right? No one starts out to be like a horrible doctor, but we do understand that there are systemic and institutional things, whether it's in our training, the learning, the materials that we see, how they talk about, maybe, um, persons of color is not very well represented. We see that in medical books over over time. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that as what osmosis as a teaching company can do to sort of affect that. Those things really make a difference in internalizing how patients are really treated. And we know that different areas in terms of being able to comply with medical, um, like, you know, diagnosis and requests, is impacted by a variety of things outside of just, I don't want to take my diabetic medication or, you know, whatever. I don't want to eat properly. So I think when we think about the problem, I I know that um, in medicine, particularly, they've been trying to make a difference, but it takes way much more than just us. As I said, one spoke in the wheel to do that. Um, There's an entire ecosystem that sort of needs to come together and and make those changes for us to see that long-term effect that we have, that we need to have for our country. And it's going to benefit everyone. And that's the thing, is that the more diverse workforce that we have for physicians, the better it is going to be, not just for um, patients of color, but for everyone.
0: Absolutely. So what do you make of this big jump in first-year med students who are Black, and do you think it's going to be a lasting trend?
1: I think medicine has always done a great job of recruitment. I think where we sort of like fall off is... What does the second year numbers look like third year? What, how, how are you looking when we get to graduation and into residency? You know what I mean? So we don't want to like peter out as we move along the pathway for our students is, and learners. is for them to be able to, you know, move on and actually create those numbers in the workforce that we need. So I think it's great and it is always great when we see that numbers, but I'm always thinking about what are we doing to make sure that they're going to the other side, which is where we're trying to impact, right, is the workforce numbers. So if you start out at 5%, but then what, by the time you get to graduation, you only have 3%, then, you know what I mean? Are we really that successful? What are we doing along the way so we don't have these leaky, um, you know, holes along the way?
0: Yeah, right. Identifying what barriers there are that take people off of that path and then addressing those. Exactly. So tell us some more about the uh, Student National Medical Association and membership and what you do for them.
1: Sure. So the Student National Medical Association is basically over 6,000 students of of color. Most of them are in medical schools, but we also have physicians and pre-medical students. And I am the executive director here. I work with an amazing board. Our board is made up of mostly medical students. Um, We do have some physicians on our board, but it's really um, my my role as um, the executive director is really to support and sort of operationalize the goals and the programmatic activities that they want to do. And I do that with um, a small staff. So I always say that SMA is small, small but mighty, um, small staff, but we have a lot of very enthusiastic um, board members. It's a working board. They do a phenomenal job of um, balancing being a medical student and also taking on the fiduciary responsibility of, of being a board member. But what we do have is an amazing pipeline of learners who are going to be primed to be physician leadership. And that's something that we didn't talk about. What does it look like for us to change the face of medicine and the physician workforce is making sure that the positions and influences, not just on the floors of the hospital systems, but in those decision-making suites um, is also diversified in our accreditation spaces. What does that look like in specialty, you know, boards of medicine, specialty medicine? So, the, you know, it's all about preparing them to be amazing physician, but really being those physician leadership that's going to change the overall, not just on the floors, but the overall face of medicine.
0: Can you talk about a couple of programs that stand out to you as being particularly effective or interesting?
1: Sure. Um, we do have a few programs. We have a program that's focused on making sure that this. we talk about diversity, right? We talk about, okay, we are missing a lot of primary care physicians, but we're also missing a lot of diversity in specialties and also in like physician scientists. So we do have, activities that is about promoting students and their research efforts that want to be physician scientists. And that's what I'm saying. The problem is like multi-pronged. So we're definitely on all fronts. So it's about supporting your research efforts. And that's through our diversity research committee. Um, These are for students that are interested in research. Some of them want to be MD, PhD, and physician scientists. But just in general, research is such a huge component of part of their learning experience. And we want to make sure that our student members have the opportunity to share their research. We have, um, during our annual conference, we have a poster research forum that is generously supported by one of our former alumni and emeriti, Dr. Jordan. And so we're really grateful for his support and recognition about um, giving students the opportunity to showcase their research. And so in general, that's what SNMA has always been about, providing the space for our members to showcase their work showcase their talent, and also have that community that's going to support not just their academic goals, but also what's missing sometimes when you're the only one at your medical institution, that support and um, mentoring and nurturing that you need while you're going through such a very difficult career.
0: You know, I'm thinking about what you said about getting more representation in leadership. Are there similar tasks sort of that you have to do in terms of the information and awareness of the path and how to move up, as you were saying, just about getting people aware of how to get on a path to medical school?
1: Sure. So as I said, one of our biggest things is because they are student They're board members of, you know, we are a nonprofit organization. So they're in the room when we're talking about our budgets and like the impact, the resources that's needed to support the organization. And then being able to bring that lens as um, a student, that's what's really needed. And I think those skills, being able to ask those questions is really important as they think about um, not just what their needs are as students, but the overall and long-term goals of our organization. So with medicine, there's an amazing opportunity, which um, I think, unlike other careers, doctors are still very much... Um, rever- you know what I mean? They are great ambassadors and citizens, and people look up to them. And so being able to also create that space where they're understanding the business side of medicine or the business side of running a um, nonprofit, most, most hospitals are nonprofits, and just in general, being able to recognize those language and speak that language is just as important as being accessible um, in the bedside and in the hospital. So I think giving them that space to ev- develop those skills is just as important.
0: So obviously, there's been you know a ton of changes in medical education during COVID. What do you see as the lasting impact of the pandemic on medical education?
1: Wow. So I think we talk about the diversity, right? And we've always talked about social determinants of health and like the impact of um, place and the environment. And I think in not just in medical, just in medicine in general healthcare, we can't go back like. No one can say that all of these things, it's not just a subset of the community. It's going to impact us all if we're not addressing these issues, because a pandemic is, it really sort of tear away that smoke screen that people, I don't know if they had it, you know, it it really leveled us into thinking we we really cannot continue on the path that we're doing, whether it's in terms of like the care that we're providing, um, the access to information and making sure certain communities aren't left behind. So I think there's been a real concerted effort Um, on a lot of folks part um, in all aspects as I talked about the spoke and the wheel that's really coming together that we really need to address this because we're not we're barely surviving it I would say in a lot of ways a lot of communities are decimated more than others and so we can't have that in terms of from like the student learner perspective I think it's It's really changed um, their interactions, I think, a lot. A lot of them were virtual for a long time. So if you think about a community of students that needs to feel more confident sometimes in a clinical setting, and sometimes that is limited, or having um, to do most of their work online, that's a shift. So really thinking about While we take advantage of like the amazing benefits that came with being able to use technology, the impact that it had on some parts of our our student population and how they dealt with that. We talked about the numbers earlier, about 5%. I'm really concerned that what we see is we have a lot of students, if you think about a lot of first generation students that went off to college, right, the college experience, And now they've come back home to communities, to families that may have lost job. Are they going to be able to go back to school? And what would that look like for students that may have been pre-med track or could have been pre-med track now? So I think in... I would say in the next five to 10 years, I want to you know see was there a donut hole kind of created and like what the pandemic did, especially for that path pathway going into medicine and what that's gonna impact that that first that first year numbers. So those are some of the things that I'm really concerned about um, in terms of like the impact on medical education. We have this increase now, but what, what is that class gonna look like in 2020? What is that, 2025? 2026. What the, what, is, what is that number? We're going to probably be even further behind.
0: Mm-hmm. So are you sensing that people are making a connection between, because there's been so much attention finally put on the health disparities problem and the outcomes, depending on race and income and so forth. Are people making that connection to, okay, one of the answers is to have a more diverse workforce, uh, you know, in terms of people talking to your organization or fundraising, that sort of thing? Is this a moment for you guys, and and how are you trying to leverage that?
1: So I would say that um, we do have a lot more intentionality from folks coming to us, but we've always felt that that's always been a big part of our mission has always been to have culturally competent physicians diversifying our workforce. That's in our mission. It's like the last line. It's like we really are about changing that numbers, and since 1964, that's always been what we've done. So for us, we want to make sure that even though a lot of folks are coming into that space and want to do something, is that the commitment and the mission alignment is really critical, not just for the last two years, but like, what does that mean for you as an organization overall? Because we do know that to make the kind of change that we need to make is going to take a long time. And we need to make sure that we have partners that understand like the long game of it all right so that's when we think about partners and who we look to who come to us we think about it in those terms like we have been in it for the long haul and we want to know that it's it's not just um i don't think people mean to be that way like it's not just the the topic of the day and then eventually it's not because we know that the impact is real and we've seen it. um, And we know that diversifying the physician workforce, we talked about it, but we're also talking about the physician leadership workforce, like who are in the hospitals, who are in these specialty areas, um, like, you know, dermatology is like one that I can think of, like right away, neuroscience. um, So, you know what I mean? Neurosurgeons. So we have a lot of work to do in a lot of different spaces.
0: For sure. So what's next for the SNMA? What's on your... uh agenda for the next year or so
1: yeah so we are really excited um of course supporting our members in terms of like making sure that they have um their academic goals that we met through our programming as i mentioned like our diversity and like physician uh, scientist programs we have our pipeline initiatives i think we've always been really keen to do programming that sort of like fills the gap of like maybe communities and students that maybe people may not think about. For instance, we've during this pandemic the last few years, we've had a, a program that's really focused on mental health. We know that's been critical. It's always been an issue in medicine. Like how are we making sure that our, our learners are well, right? To deal with the pathway. But in the pandemic it had new thing mental health in general has been like such a huge thing that's sort of one of the things that really came out in the pandemic. And so we have had Safe Space Sunday series. So we've done that, uh, really give our students an opportunity to be able to talk about issues that are affecting them in a safe space. So we'll be continuing that. We're also really excited in 2024. um, Will be our 60th anniversary. So we've been thinking about that now and just really assessing where we've been and what we need to do. And as as you said, the pandemic, COVID-19 has really sort of blown up whatever pathway you were on in 2019 like it's really I don't say a re, probably a reset it's definitely not going back to what it was but we have to think differently about how we support our members what does the physician workforce look like how do we engage um, and making sure that our students are taken care of as they go through their learning years and their training years as well.
0: Yeah we hear so often from guests that this kind of unusual level of turbulence and disruption also creates opportunities. Exactly. Yeah, and you gotta jump on those. So as you probably know, we're a teaching company. We love to fill knowledge gaps and love to hear from our guests if there's a, a topic that they would want osmosis to make a video about, something that you're really particularly interested in or concerned about. Actually, it doesn't even need to be related to this topic. It could be on anything, but uh, what, what would that be?
1: I think for more than a topic, um, and I think you guys do such a good job, is like the intentionality, as I talk about, in making sure that everyone that has um, a role in medical education, whether it's providing teaching resources or learning resources or supporting resources for medical students or nurses. You guys are um, not just for, you know, just healthcare providers in general, that that intentionality that everyone has a role to play in sort of breaking down those um, stereotypes about race and health. And so I think being intentional about whatever you do in recognizing that that we all have a role to play in that, I think that's to me more than creating something new is being intentional in terms of when you're creating those materials and resources, because that does reinforce, you know, that's just how, the way our brain work. And so we wanna make sure that we recognize it um, by having um, a diverse Training team, educational providers, um, anyone that's writing your questions—I think that's just really where I see the differences. And then it's going to all come out in the product that you do that our students use and love. And I think that's going to make the most impact overall for everyone.
0: That's a great point. So uh, you talk to medical students a lot. You said you had some on your board. What advice do you give them about getting through this really challenging time and approaching their career?
1: Yes. So. The biggest thing I say is, you know, I know that they can do it. I know it sounds crazy, but I know for in general, it's such a high stakes career and it creates a lot of fear in a lot of ways. So we know that we don't do very well when we make decisions, when we're like in a fear-based mindset. So it's really moving them out of like that sort of mindset. That's how I see, you know, at least to coaching them to think about it from a very different lens, because sometimes when you're in it, you tend to sort of get wrapped up in that. So for me, it's really about supporting them any way that I can. I know, I think that they're amazing. I see them mostly as, as I said, as leaders. And I know that they are doing like the very best that they can, and they have a lot on their plates. So it's really making sure that they have that space to land, whether it's as board members, as seeing me as someone that they can talk to and support them, but really not focusing on that fear-based mindset that kind of comes into just thinking about like the big and how insurmountable some of the parts of medicine and the test taking and all that can be.
0: Yeah, it is a huge load that they carry. So listen, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. But I want to thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Sure. Thank you for having me. And it was great talking to you.
0: Same here. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks very much for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org/covid19 if you like this podcast please share it on your social channels you can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org/raise the line podcast